Welcome to this episode of We Believe You, advocacy, resources, and healing around interpersonal trauma. I'm Casey. And I'm Jessica. And I'm Marie. You're listening to episode number three, Cultivating Radical Self-Love. I'm Jessica with the Women and Gender Advocacy Center at CSU. Today, we'll be talking about self-care and self-love and what it means to truly cultivate an experience of well-being in our lives. Later in the podcast, we'll get to an interview I did with a friend and colleague of mine here at CSU, and we'll talk about how we engage in self-care and self-love. But first, I'd like to share with you why I think talking about self-care and self-love is important. Many of us aren't taught how to really nurture ourselves growing up, and we definitely don't see many examples of it out in the broader society. And yet many of us have felt what it's like when we're running on empty. We feel depleted, drained, overwhelmed, and maybe even super irritable. And when we're not taking care of ourselves, we show up in the world differently. So think of the whole thing with the airlines and the importance of putting your own mask on first. How the flight attendants stand up there every single time in the aisle at the beginning of every flight and remind you, if the air masks drop down, always secure your own mask first before helping anybody else, even if that somebody else is your kid. So when we don't put our own masks on first, we can't show up in our relationships, our work or school lives with the compassion and the empathy that we possess when we're feeling well. When we don't take care of ourselves, we can also get sick or we may even experience chronic illness. This is serious stuff. It's time we stop looking at self-care as optional and start seeing it as a necessity so that we can show up as our best selves. So what do I mean by radical self-love? Learning to fully love yourself is not an easy task, particularly for survivors of interpersonal violence. When the world has sent you the message that your voice doesn't matter, that what you want doesn't matter, or that who you are is somehow less than, it's really hard to take a stand for yourself and declare that you're worthy of feeling good and healthy. When you experience interpersonal trauma, your personal power and control is taken away from you. But what you can do is to try your best to take care of yourself in the aftermath. So when you take a stand for yourself by nurturing and loving yourself in all the ways that you need to thrive as a human being on this planet, your self-love becomes an act of radical resistance in the face of a world that has told you that you don't deserve love and respect. A huge part of self-love is about bringing awareness to the fact that you get to decide how much love you give to yourself. It's about noticing that self-love is something you do have control over, when so much of life can feel out of your control. Audre Lorde is a Black lesbian feminist writer and poet. She's an activist and has used her voice to fight for liberation from oppression on the basis of race, class, gender, and sexuality. In one of her most famous quotes, she says, Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. This quote presents this idea of self-love as a radical act a direct response to systems of oppression and a declaration of one's own worthiness and power, despite what identities they may hold and what society has told them about their value. Sometimes after surviving interpersonal violence, it can feel like the voice of your abuser is all that you hear. It's a voice that tells you you are powerless, that you're not enough, you're unworthy of respect and love. But here's the thing, that voice is not the truth. It's totally a lie which is why we call it violence. Interpersonal violence includes psychological manipulation and emotional abuse, which can leave you believing that there's something wrong with you or that you're a terrible person, none of which are true. This is not the voice of love. This is the voice of violence and abuse. So radical self-love requires us to begin to feed the voice of love and compassion that exists within us. It's about giving ourselves the love we may not have received from others when we needed it, like from our parents when we were young, from an intimate partner, or maybe even from a friend when we really needed their support and they just were not there for us. 
Think about someone in your life that you love deeply and ask yourself, what would it be like to give that same level of love to you? So self-love is really cultivating a sense of compassion for yourself. Self-care, on the other hand, is something that you do to cultivate self-love. So we can often hear a lot of talk about the need for self-care, particularly when healing from interpersonal violence. But we don't often hear about how important self-care is for fueling radical self-love. So I want to talk a little bit about self-care and how we can start to take better care of ourselves. How do we fill our cups and how do we do it in a sustainable way? What I can tell you is that self-care is way more than just a bubble bath. Although don't get me wrong, baths are great and I take them all the time. But self-care really requires us to take a look at how we spend our time. Are we making time for things that fill our cups or are we only spending time doing things that drain us? So when thinking about self-care, a great place to begin is through this idea that inside each of us is both an inner critic and an inner mentor. An inner mentor is the part of us that enlivens, sustains, and nurtures our well-being. The inner critic, on the other hand, is this part of us that constantly criticizes, judges, and compares us, depleting our self-worth and ultimately making us feel terrible about ourselves the majority of the time. So sometimes it's helpful to simply begin to notice which voice is speaking to you most often. And as you notice and name the inner critic, you can begin to let it go and welcome in the voice of the inner mentor. But the real question becomes, which voice are you fueling? There are different ways this idea is framed in different communities. In some indigenous cultures, this can be referred to as the story of two wolves. You may have heard it before, but it's this idea that inside each of us are two wolves, one that is angry, feels shameful, inferior, judgmental, or maybe even superior and full of ego. The other wolf is full of love, including self-love but compassion, truth, and humility. And so there's this fight going on between these two wolves inside of us. And the question becomes, which one is going to win? Well, it's the one you feed. Angela Davis is a leader in the social justice realm and has been an active fighter for the rights of African Americans. Angela says that self-care and healing and attention to the body and the spiritual dimension, all of this is now part of radical social justice struggles. Angela talks about how radical self-love and self-care can actually strengthen the movement for social justice and equality. There's no longer a need to see taking care of yourself as a selfish act. Self-love is a radical act, particularly for those who are experiencing systemic oppression based on their identities. So these concepts show up also in Brene Brown's work as she talks about the voice of shame, our own inner critic, and how it can so easily convince us of our unworthiness. She talks about how shame plays two tapes in our heads, one that tells us we're never good enough, and then when we get past that one, the other script becomes... Who do you think you are? Brene talks about vulnerability as the path to love and the importance of connection and belonging to our own self-worth. She has a few TED Talks that we'll likely discuss in a later podcast, but I'll put a link to one of them in the show notes. I highly recommend you check it out if you haven't already. So when we talk about radical self-love and self-care, we must ask ourselves, what types of feelings and experiences are we cultivating or nurturing in our lives? Are we spending too much time on social media when we're already down so we feed the voice of inferiority, comparison, and self-judgment? Or are we establishing times in each day to do something that feeds the voice of love and compassion? Sometimes it's helpful in this case to make what I call a stop doing list, which is exactly what it sounds like, a list of things you'd like to stop doing, like breaking a habit that's maybe not the healthiest for you. You can also try making a two-part list, one part that includes the things you'd like to do more of and the other part that lists what you'd like to do less of. It's important for us to recognize our boundaries and limitations here. I know that for me, my life drastically changed when I stopped watching the news every day. 
Now I read a daily email that gives me a glimpse into what's happening in the world. And then I'll dig deeper into news that I want to learn more about, but in my own time. I also regularly take social media breaks, especially on weekends or during times when I'm under high levels of stress and need a break from seeing what other people are up to. And then on the flip side, we must ask ourselves, so what do we want to feel more of in our lives? If we want to feel more joy, peace, connection, what are some things that we can do to cultivate these feelings and experiences? This can look different for all of us, and there's certainly no one-size-fits-all approach. Maybe it's taking daily walks outside or planning time to connect with a friend every week. Or maybe it's making time once a week to cook a really amazing meal. Perhaps it's 30 minutes of meditations every day or creating a morning ritual of reading a passage from an inspirational book. You may even find that there are activities or things that you're drawn to that feel deeply nurturing because they're a part of your childhood or cultural upbringing, like different forms of dance, singing, art, or playing sport. These can also be great opportunities for connection, which research shows is crucial in nurturing our well-being, especially after trauma. Our brains are actually wired for connection and being in tune with others. So recovery from trauma involves reconnecting with fellow human beings and restoring loving relationships. Sometimes it can also be helpful to consider finding a balance with self-care in different areas of your life. You may have seen the self-care wheel that talks about holistic self-care, and it emphasizes the need to engage in self-care in several different realms, including professional, physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, even personal. I'll include the self-care wheel in the notes for this podcast, and I'd encourage you to check it out. It may give you some insight into an important area of your life that could use some greater attention. Again, we can't control what happens to us in life, but we can control how we decide to see ourselves through the eyes of self-compassion and nurturance or continuing to feed the voice of the critic. But here's what's really important to keep in mind. Self-care and self-love takes practice. Don't expect to be great at it right away. And there will probably be many times when you need it the most and you just can't bring yourself to do it. This is okay. Don't pile shame or self-judgment on top of everything. Self-care and self-love can be one of the hardest things to master in our lives. Remember to be patient with yourself and notice when you're striving for perfection. Radical self-love is loving yourself for who you are and where you are right now. It requires acceptance and patience in the process. Okay, but there's one other thing I wanted to touch upon in this podcast, planning ahead for times of high stress or crisis. I've talked a lot so far about the need to see self-care as a lifestyle and not just an activity, and I wanted to expand on that. So I do quite a bit of yoga, and I have this one yoga teacher who always says that it's not necessary to practice yoga every day, but when life gets tough, you better bet you've been practicing every day. And I love this because it's a great reminder. When we're taking good care of ourselves every day, Crises become that much more manageable when they do happen. Dealing with high levels of stress or crisis is so much easier when we're doing it from a grounded place and from an already full cup. So especially when working with students, I've noticed that there are times of the semester that tend to be incredibly challenging, like midterms and finals mainly. Engaging in self-care practices during these times can be so difficult, and it's helpful to plan ahead of time. Sometimes this means doing the best you can not to procrastinate and getting work done ahead of time helping to minimize the stress when everything is due at once. Or maybe it's scheduling in an hour break on a study day to take a long walk outside or to call a friend. Reducing social media use during this time could be helpful too, and there's apps out there that can block these sites when you're needing a break from them. Again, times of high stress can be the most challenging times to implement self-care because we feel like we just need to push through and get things done. But research actually shows that when your brain is in a relaxed state, you're going to retain information better. 
So taking care of yourself and making time for nurturing activities in the midst of stressful times can drastically improve your performance. Remember that when you're telling yourself just to push through and that you don't have time to do anything that makes you feel good. But in addition to planning ahead for stressful times, another important consideration is making sure you have a plan in place if you happen to run into your abuser. When this is a possibility for students, we'll usually talk through what they plan to do if and when this does happen. Maybe it's calling or texting a best friend for support or planning to call an advocacy hotline to connect with an advocate to process the experience. Being prepared in these moments can help reduce the fight, flight, or freeze response that so often happens when we're unaware or unprepared for something. When we're completely caught off guard by a trigger, the logical part of our brain shuts down and it can become very hard to think clearly and figure out what to do in moments like that. But if we have some sort of plan in place ahead of time, all we have to do is recall that and act accordingly. And if we have practice in working through our triggers by engaging in self-care practices regularly, we'll know more of what to do when a crisis hits. We'll talk more about working with and managing triggers in a future podcast, so stay tuned. But now I'd like to shift gears a bit and share with you a short interview I did with a friend of mine at CSU, Emily Ambrose. She's the assistant director of the Pride Resource Center here on campus and was one of the people who gave me an incredibly warm welcome when I began working at CSU last year. We're currently in a book club together, and every time I see Emily, I love hearing about how she manages to still have great fun in her life, in addition to being so dedicated to her work supporting queer and trans students. So Emily, we center identities in the work that we do, Mm -hmm. um, and I would love if you could share with listeners what your salient identities are. Yeah, yeah. I think about my identities a lot, and I think they inform a lot of how I show up in the world. So some that are really important to me are first and foremost, I'm a sister. I think I'm a family member um, first and grew up middle class that jumped to like middle upper class, part of the owning class. I think that has a lot to do with um, how I've had access to education. My family is we call ourselves Euro Euro 57. Um, so from the European <laughs> countries, I don't have a lot of culture from there. So definitely raised in the United States and white. And that uh, really informs a lot of the work that I do. Sexuality and gender are, um, I identify as queer and bisexual and polyamorous. And those are also informed by the fact that I am a cisgendered uh, feminine presenting woman. So those are, those are some of them. And I'm sure more will come out as we are talking about things. Awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you. So when I say the term radical self-love, what does that bring up for you? When I think of radical self-love, I think of a journey. I don't, mm. oof, I do not see this as a destination. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's something that I'm actively trying to do every day. And I think we would look like a totally different society if more mm. people just radically loved themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I think of my journey of self-love, what comes up to me are some really tangible things like talking nicely to myself like right what is the what is the volume yeah of my inner workings of am I yelling at Emily because she's not doing things that I want her to do am I disappointed constantly those are not things that demonstrate a lot of self-love so I've been working on having compassion for myself in the same ways that I have compassions for others in my life Um, I've been setting boundaries um, and I feel like those are practices of self-love to really not necessarily put myself before other people, but for me, putting myself directly in alignment with how much mm-hmm. I care about other people, caring about myself. So I think mm-hmm. those two, those two tangible things, um, are really my constant journey with self love. Yeah. yeah, we actually talked in the podcast about 
the air, airplane mask thing, right? Like putting your own mask on first yeah. and the need to take care of yourself and how that shifts mm-hmm. your relationships mm-hmm. and ultimately makes them so much better too. And I'm like yeah. solidly grounded in my thirties now. And yeah. <laughs> if you would have asked me that question in my early twenties, it would have looked totally different. I think some of the techniques that I still yeah. use are similar, but I didn't really love a whole bunch of myself and I'm getting to be like, I'm like, oh, I like this person, Emily. She's, she's pretty great. Amazing. Yeah, I thanks. like her too. Oh, great. thanks, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, I mean, so yes, yeah, self-care is a journey. It changes depending on what stage of life we're in for sure. Mm. So what does it look like? What does self-care look like for you right mm. now? Self-care, I think, are those things that I prioritize along with my responsibilities that I also have to prioritize, mm-hmm. right? And and really being thoughtful and intentional about giving time and space for that self-care. I talk about this story a lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell it here. Amazing. I know. Go for it. Just, so <laughs> my good friend Jessica here um interviewed a couple of years ago. Well a year ago. I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um for CSU and one of the questions in your interview was about like how do you how do you self-care? And I loved your answer. And you're like, oh yeah, self-care. Um you know, back when I thought bubble baths and Netflix were enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. There was a point of time that I did. Yeah. 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 And that alone cannot sustain us, mm-hmm. right? I think in the types of work that we do, I think working solidly grounded in identity work all the time. Mm-hmm. It was always a part of of my work, but I think it requires a, a different focus on on self and sustainability um, that I haven't figured out the the management or the Right. the dynamicness of yet. Um, but for me, self-care looks like, again, prioritizing me. Um, one of those things that I think is really important is anticipation. Yeah. So I have to be looking forward to something. I have to see mm-hmm. something coming on the horizon. I have to um, really be able to get over that hump of whatever I'm doing mm-hmm. right in that moment. Um, so I think anticipation has really come for that. And for me, uh, my raft trips that I do in the summer. Yeah. Uh, so I have the opportunity to serve as a, to work as a raft guide during the summer, um, which is definitely a privilege. And the fact that I work in a place that will uh, be supportive of that is is amazing and not something that everybody has. And so, you know, finding little ways, but then bigger ways, I think anticipation for me is, is a really strong technique of my self-care. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's something that I hadn't thought of in a little while, but I do that as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. So what are the greatest challenges that you face around (laughs) (laughs) self-care? Because there are some. (laughs) Always. Yeah. I think a lot about how we are part of a white supremacy culture, mm-hmm. a culture that has instilled um, different kind of expectations that not only white people, but everybody who is in this society is like kind of forced to ascribe to. I think it's a lot of. So there's this great article that I've been thinking about a lot recently, um, and I will get it to you so you can like put it in the bottom of grace. Um, but it's around uh, like how sense of urgency and perfectionism and quantity over quality Mm -hmm. specifically are three of some pretty constant concepts of white supremacy culture. And I fall into that a lot. So challenge with self-care is really putting a pause and a break and going to that dance class because I know that when I have more endorphins flowing through my body, I am a better human. And it is ensuring that um, I give myself grace to laugh at some funny memes and um, sit in my office with my students who are showing me all the vines in the world (laughs) and just 
like building relationship with them, seeing what they're seeing, but really just laughing with them together. And because a lot of the work that we do, especially like I call the couch in my office, like the crying couch, because there are like people cry on that couch two to five times a week. Like, and so if we can't find the joy too, if we can't access the laughter, mm-hmm. um, I think that can be a challenge when the the world can feel pretty, pretty dismal sometimes. And I don't, we're kind of in, in that space right now. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's been people's reality for years and years and years. So I don't want to pretend like this is just something that has come about. I think things are coming to light that need to, because all of the underlying isms um, are very much there that we're actively working against um, and informing myself of. I know that I'm you know, a product and I have my own work to do around that. And that's prioritizing laughter. So. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. My thing is puppy videos puppy or videos. funny animal videos. Oh have have the you panda? seen? Have you seen the no. the sneezing panda? Jessica. I have not seen the sneezing oh. panda, but I have seen the screaming goats. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Those are amazing. Anytime I I cry, I laugh and cry when I watch those. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Okay. So great. We've got the laughter. The laughter. Piece. Um, yes. And I I mean I think I wanted to comment too on the I love that you brought up emotion and the importance of just allowing yourself to cry sometimes because. Yeah. For me, that has become self-care. I used to run from emotion and feel Ugh. like it wasn't safe. And it was just like, no, I'm if I'm if I am emotional, then I'm not okay. And we all experience emotions. Emotions is a part of being a human being. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, good cries are great. Yeah, there's a really great poem by Oriah um, called The Invitation. And mm-hmm. one of the stanzas, right, mm-hmm. is like, I want to know if you can be with me yep. in pain, mine or your own, and not move to fix it or fade it or push it away. So, you know, I'm paraphrasing. But we don't know how to show up for each other in emotion either. And yeah. yep. um, just be in it. And I think... That's self-care too. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, you know, when you're going through a, a like crazy time of the mm-hmm. semester, like maybe right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tis um, the season. Or just a crazy time in, in your life. What, and things are stressful. So what do you find that you do for self-care during those times? Are there, are there strategies or things that you found mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. work for you? Yeah. I'm not always great at this. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, and I think that that's something that's really important to acknowledge mm-hmm. is that we all have our work to do in lots of different areas. And, and some of my work is around this. So um, I think it's helpful. Like I stayed at work until 730 last night and just trying to get things done that the meetings throughout the day would not have allowed me to do. And, um, you know, and that's not uncommon, but I think it's also figuring out how then to say, okay, now I'm going to come in at nine when I usually come in at eight or, and being Mm -hmm. again, able to have the grace and flexibility and not, and knowing that not everybody has work environments that are um, amiable to do that. Um, one of the things when it gets just bananas and bonkers is I do dance classes. So I mentioned that before and um, I love to dance. I find that days are better if I do some sort of dancing or some sort of singing. I'm a big shower singer too. Um, Jewel is my go-to if you were wondering. Oh, of um, course. I yeah, love that. Beyonce is constantly flowing through our, our home and household as well. And But the dance class I pay for ahead of time. And Mm -hmm. that is a technique because if I don't pay for it, I will make all the choices not to go. And I know that when I go to my dance class, I take burlesque classes. They're like awesome. So talk about self-love. Like I've been learning to like 
love my body. It's a very like sex positive place. It's very affirming in like all of the bodiness of all of the bodies. And it's wonderful. And I pay for it ahead of time so that I'm like, well, I've already paid for this. I've got to go. And I know that I am better when I prioritize Mm -hmm. that self-care. Absolutely. So I think that's when it's almost like forced, but I know enough about myself that like I know that I need it. So. Yeah. And I think that's what happens in stressful times Mm -hmm. is we like, we know that when we can remind ourselves that like, if we just do this dance class, if we just go for that walk, Mm -hmm. like we're going to feel better afterwards Mm -hmm. when everything in our brain is telling us like, no, you have too much to do. Like, don't do it. Just go. Yeah. Yeah. I love the paying for it first. (laughs) Um, I think another technique when I like when it's, when it's short or I don't have a lot of time, oh, this great former student shared this piece of nugget information and she's brilliant and I totally trust her and she was in some bio class, that the the physiological parts of our brain that experience stress and gratitude and appreciation can't exist and can't like go off at the same time. So physiologically, like we mm-hmm. cannot experience stress and gratitude at the same time. And so I will send a quick text to someone that I really love or care about, or I'll take that time to write a quick note and slide it under someone's door or, um, and just, just that act will make me feel good. And then usually, you know, there's some kind of communication back and then I'm like, huh. And it's a good reminder of like, this is why I'm doing probably whatever else I'm doing because I'm. Yeah, we're all trying to make the world a better place. (laughs) I love that you brought that up because that's something that I found as well is if I because it gets me out of the oh, my gosh, things are so overwhelming Mm -hmm. and crazy right now brain Mm -hmm. and gets me into like, oh, remember why you do this, you know, whatever work it might be doing or why you're living this life Mm -hmm. in the way that you are. I love that. Um, So I also just, you know, I want to hear a little bit about like what you find in your life, because one of the things we talked about in this podcast was identifying the things that feed you in your life, Mm. that nurture you, that Mm -hmm. nurture the part of your um, compassionate voice in your head, right? And then the identifying the things that drain you and that feed the voice of (laughs) self-judgment and criticism, right? The like terrible one, right? So like, what are some things that you find feed you or drain you? Oh, I mean, it's such a specific question to me, right? And I think that I think about how relational I am, Mm -hmm. um, how much my identities inform Sometimes, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest and say like the types of people that I want to be around or like, and, um, I think sometimes like, so my community, like my queer community specifically is super important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're important to me because a lot of the times, like I can just trust (laughs) and just show up in Mm -hmm. like all of my seediness and vulnerability and poopiness and like anger um and laughter and all of that and not worry I don't know I don't have to explain myself so some of the things that feed me are really being around others where and it doesn't mean that we don't learn and grow together right it doesn't mean that we're not still pushing each other having the tough conversations and but I think just when you find folks that it's easy to be around um that that's 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 pretty powerful and um, I have this good friend who lives in my condo building. Um, he's my neighbor. And, um, so sometimes like we'll watch basketball and, you know, have a drink. And so I was there last night and he identifies as like a straight cis, 
um, very attractive white man. And um, I am in all of my identities, right? And I love being around him, but it's not easy to be around him. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go on a tangent. But we end up getting into these, like, really deep, really necessary, really intense conversations where, honestly, I'm, you know, dropping social justice knowledge and he's either picking it up or, or pushing it to the side. And mm-hmm. eventually I just go home. I do think that, like, hanging out with him fills me in a way, but it also drains me in a way. Right. Right. And I think that when you can focus on what a definition of self-love and self-care and the similarities in those and the differences in those are for you and figure out what fills you up and then be able to identify what drains you and put up some hard boundaries around, nope, not tonight. And and when you're taking really good care of yourself and you've got great boundaries, then Hanging out with folks that you can find sometimes draining, like is is definitely it's easier, mm-hmm. right? And you have the space for those folks too. Um, but recognizing that when you're in times of high stress yeah. and you're like overwhelmed, yeah. that it's okay to be strategic and um, focus on being with people that are that you feel like you can totally be yourself with, mm-hmm. right? That sort yeah. of thing. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so, so much yeah. for being here. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love every opportunity that we get to connect. Yeah. Relationships so cool. and stuff. Yeah. This was super fun anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. So that's all for this episode of We Believe You, Advocacy, Resources, and Healing Around Interpersonal Trauma. Please remember that the WCAC is here to provide support for all CSU students 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email wgac at colostate.edu. That's wgac at c-o-l-o-s-t-a-t-e dot edu. For more information about advocacy in the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, go to www.wgac.colostate.edu. You can also find the WGAC on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And a big thank you for Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in this podcast. And to our partnership with KCSU here at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Thank you so much for listening.